pitched in. We did a special offering for the Asia mission trip. And um, I think, am I free to share how much came in on that or whatever? It, it was um, uh, somewhere I think it's either $1,600 came in for the mission trip on that. So I just want to thank you guys for pitching pitching in on that. Uh, most of it came in in the form of checks from, from many of you, though I did as I was looking through the bank bag to take to the bank. Someone did write on a $5 bill China, so I, I assume that was for the mission trip as well, but uh, uh, we're going to analyze the handwriting and find out who that came from, but I have some hunches, so anyways, but that, that helped make it an even 1600 I think we were at 1595 before that, so that's wonderful as well. But uh, we'll go ahead and pray, and then we'll get started here this morning. We're going to kind of do a, a transition from Easter and the good news of Easter that we talked about last week into some of the things God has before us right now as a church. And so uh, we'll just pray and ask God to bless our, our time this morning. So if you will, let's just bow our heads together. Well, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this morning. We do thank you for bringing us all together. Uh, thank you that we could gather in your name and, and worship you. Lord, I pray that as we read some of these verses from the Bible, that your word would um, stand out to us, that it would speak to us. I pray that it would cause us to take action, the actions that you want us to take. Help each one of us to hear your voice this morning. Lord, uh, you know each of our lives in great detail, and I pray that you'd speak to us accordingly, Lord. Uh, those things that we, uh, we need to hear, those things that might encourage us or challenge us or convict us. But we ask you to speak, help us to hear, help us to respond with obedience. But we just commit this time to you. We pray for this grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, um, let's see here. We're just going to kind of take a quick look at what we talked about last week. Um, we uh, talked about the, the good news, the good news of Easter last week, you know, and ultimately is the the good news of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and what He proved through the resurrection, and and you know, we even gave people an opportunity to respond to that good news by opening their life to to Christ and um, and praying to receive Him, and so. Um, you know, this is kind of the point of it all was that we need to believe the good news. The good news has been made available to us by what Jesus did, but our response is, do you believe it or do you not? Do you open your life to Christ or not? And um, anyways, just a quick review of, of what was accomplished through Jesus here. Some, I think some neat things, some milestones before we continue. But the first one was just that at birth, you know, Jesus came into this world and he fulfilled many prophecies. Uh, the city that he would be born, the time period that he would enter, the family line that he would be born into as well. Many things he fill, he fulfilled as the he was like the prophesied Lord and Savior at birth, and and then he went on and in his life he went public. After 30 years he he went public and he kind of began telling people, this is who I am. He went from just being the prophesied Lord and Savior to becoming the professed Lord and Savior. At one point the woman at the well was saying. We are waiting for the Messiah, the one who is expected to come. And he went on to tell her that I am He. I am He, And he professed to being the Lord and Savior, the Messiah who was to come. At Easter, what we talked about this last week was really that through the death and ultimately through the resurrection, he went from the prophesied Savior who was to come and the professed Savior to he became the proven Lord and Savior, the only one who had conquered death and sin. And he proved that he could do everything that he had promised of forgiving sins, of overcoming death and helping us to do the same. And 
ultimately that left us with the question, and really, you know, today, I don't know where you're at, some of you might not have been here last week, but the most important question that you and I can answer today is, is Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior? And, and that's where we left it last week, giving people an opportunity to respond and invite Christ into their life. And our hope here is that, that every one of you would be able to answer this question by saying, yes, yes, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, that you've had a personal response to Him. Um, because when He returns, He will be either uh, your personal Lord and Savior or He will be the rejected Lord and Savior. Um, and they have very, very real and, and different ramifications there. But that's kind of where we left it off with the question of would you like to personally open your life to Jesus Christ? And, and some of you might have been there and some of you might have even prayed to open your life to Christ or maybe you've done that recently. And I want to move to the next, the next step here that we're going to talk about this morning um, is Jesus said, uh, you know, after uh, the, the accounts of the resurrection in each of the Gospels, Jesus went on to give the disciples a mission. Up to that point, he taught them how to follow him, how to be his disciple, how, a way of life that uh, was for a disciple. But at the end, after the resurrection, he said, now, now I've got a mission for you. And he said, this was one of the places we actually read last week at the end of the, the passage. It says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And, and one of the things that Jesus said here basically is that if you're going to be a disciple of His, if you're going to follow Him, maybe you're a believer in Jesus, but the real question is, are you going to follow Him? Are, is He really your Lord? Are you going to do what He wants as compared to what you want? And, and He said one of the first things He said to do as a disciple of His was, was that disciples need to be baptized. And, you know, in a lot of ways... Uh, Let's see his next point here. If you've come to believe the good news about Jesus dying for your sins, if you've invited him into your life, really the next step that Jesus says is that you should be baptized. And kind of the way that works is um, when you come to accept Christ and receive Christ, it is a very personal thing. It's, very, it's between you and God, and you're just inviting him into your heart. And sometimes there might be someone else there with you that's shared the good news with you, and they might share with you how they prayed or, or help you along. Sometimes you might find yourself alone. I remember I heard the message of the good news and there was an opportunity to pray to receive Christ right there. And I went home and did that on my own. Um, and it can be a very personal thing and it's supposed to be. When, you know, even like Thomas said to Jesus, my God, my Lord, my God, there was a personal response to Jesus as the risen Lord. And if you've had that, you know, one of the next things you need to do is to get baptized. Baptism is a way to publicly express that. You know, maybe a lot of people weren't there when you prayed to receive Christ. Maybe you were on your own. Um, and that's fine. It is to be a personal thing. But Jesus designed this other thing, which is to get baptized, which is a public thing. And, and so if you've, you know, somewhere along your life you've come to believe in Christ, maybe it was recently, maybe it was last weekend at the Easter service, um, one of the, the next steps in order is to get baptized, to publicly express that. And there's a verse that... Um, Jesus shared along this lines that relates to it's a passage about being a disciple of His that we're going to look at as well this morning. But um, He says this in Mark eight thirty eight. He said, If anyone is ashamed of Me and My words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of Him when He comes in His Father's glory with the holy angels. So Jesus is saying, Hey, look, maybe you've made this personal decision 
that you believe that I am the Messiah, the Savior of your sins. But if you're ashamed to let others know that, when He returns, it says He will be ashamed of you. And baptism has a way of kind of showing where you stand with Jesus. It's, it's a way to publicly identify with Him or not. And even, you know, it doesn't have to be like in front of a stadium or something like that. There's a story in the New Testament where uh, Philip baptized one other guy. He said, hey, there's water and there's you. How about would you baptize me? And, but there was still a public expression of that, of what had gone on inside that guy's heart. And so my hope here is just um, before we transition into the, the next subject is that if you've done this, uh, if you've come to look to Christ as your Savior, I encourage you to take the step like Jesus said and get baptized. This kind of starts the ball rolling. I know I was talking to a guy this week earlier that um, he said he came to Christ maybe a couple years ago, but he had not yet got baptized. Or maybe he was baptized uh, as an infant or a child. And I shared with him, you know what? So was I. I. I was brought up in a church where my parents said, hey, I want to raise my son in a Bible-believing fashion in a way that honors God. And, and so they baptized me. And I was, I don't know, maybe I was six months old or whatever. I was not sure I was a believer or not yet, but um, I was not a believer yet. And what we see in the New Testament, the pattern that is set for us there is that someone becomes a believer in Jesus Christ and then they make a choice to get baptized. We never see any other pattern, but someone comes to believe personally and then they go public and get baptized. And that's what we try to live out as a church, a New Testament church. If you come to believe uh, and then you go public about it. It's hard to go public if you got baptized before you were ever a believer. It's not the same thing Jesus was talking about. It's a great intention. I I was glad my parents wanted to do that and and make the commitment to raise me that way. But when I came to faith myself, when I came to Christ on my own, then I I made a choice to get baptized. And for me, it was really, I kind of knew the ramifications. You know, I had gone home and uh, prayed to invite Christ into my life. And I just wanted to go public. And I called my small group leader up that afternoon. I said, Hey, can I get baptized like ASAP? You know, I just want to confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I, I like was thinking maybe I could get baptized later that day. Um, and he was like, whoa, let's slow the boat down. How about next time we meet in small group, you can get baptized. And it was a couple of days later on a Thursday. And uh, I ended up getting baptized at small group that, that night. It was, uh, oh, it was like February 2nd, early February. But the temperature outside was zero degrees. And we happened to be getting baptized outside. And it was a hot tub, though, so that kind of helped to make it redeem the time there. But I was just able to tell people, hey, you know, up to this point, I'd gone to church for a little while. I'd gone to small group. I told them, hey, I'm a Christian. I can talk Christianese, whatever. Um, but really, in my heart, I um, found out, you know, I really wasn't a Christian. I had never placed my trust in Jesus um, as my Savior, invited him in. And so I was able just to to tell people that, that I really did believe and go public and it was awesome but my hope is that every one of you has had a chance to do that and I know there's a few of you that might think about the next step of, of going public for Jesus and telling people that He is your Lord and Savior um, you know that in your heart maybe you've prayed to, to share that with Him but maybe it's time to follow what Jesus said for disciples to get baptized in His name there so I want you guys to think about that I've got to te- check with the Ramada here still the pool is not quite open yet, but I think it's opening soon. And we might be able to do our next round of baptisms down in the uh, Ramada pool, the Ramada baptismal. Um, so we'll, we'll check with them and see. But if not, worst case, some of you have seen our, uh, our cattle tank. We'll fill it up and we'll dunk you in that. And uh, that's a great way to get baptized as well. But if you're interested in that, 
please talk to me or talk to someone that, you know, who invited you, so one of your friends here, and we'll, we'll give you an opportunity to, to go public for Christ there. So, um, now after that, uh, the next thing to, to think about here is just, um, um, you know, I think it's neat that after the resurrection, Jesus gave the mission. You know, he gave what we know as the Great Commission. And he basically said, the two parts of it we've talked about in a series a while back was um, to take the good news, like the verse we have here. He said, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Let's take this good news. If you've responded to it, then he says, hey, go take that. Tell everybody the good news. Everybody everywhere. And, and that's part of what's called the Great Commission. Get the word out. He also goes on to say, and make disciples and baptize them. And, and that's, um, that's really, I just think it's neat to realize that all of that, it didn't occur throughout Jesus' public ministry. It didn't occur before he was crucified. It was after the resurrection, he had one message, and that message came back to this command. Get the good news out. Make followers of those who receive it. Reach the world, and I'll be with you. And, and that's what we're all about, you know. Um, I think... Uh, as, as a church, you know, we're a part of the Great Commission Ministries. Part of our purpose as a church, we talked about this. I was going to give you guys a quiz on this, but I um, uh, decided not to. But the purpose of the Firehouse Church is to bring great glory to God by obeying the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. The Great Commandment is loving God supremely. The Great Commission is getting the good news out and making disciples of those who receive Christ. And so that's what we're all about. Um, Another thing to think about is just our movement of churches here. Really, um, our association of churches, Jeff gave you a handout here that relates to the Great Commission churches. It's our um, association nationwide. And really the way that that got started was there was, um, back in the early 70s, there was a small group of people, uh, smaller than the group of people we have here, enough to fit on a small bus. But there were some young people, a lot like yourselves, and they, they wanted to get serious about following Jesus and about getting the good news out. So they, at one point, they all hopped on a bus and they started going to different cities where there were campuses and they started sharing the good news with people. And people would respond and get saved and get baptized. And eventually they'd be like, well, let's go to another city. But what do we do with all the people here on this campus that got saved? And they would basically uh, pray for several young men and uh, commission them as pastors and kick them off the bus and they'd move on to some other cities. And that's, that's kind of the heritage we have as an association of churches. And here it is. This year we're celebrating the 40th um, anniversary of Great Commission Churches. And um, we're celebrating that at our pastor's conference. But that started 40 years ago. Now there's, uh, I think, over 80 churches, over 50,000 members of churches in four continents um, throughout the U.S., throughout the world. And, and that started with just a handful of people, a lot like yourself, who said, you know what? I've responded to this good news and I want to get the word out to others and crazy things have happened. Eventually, through the course of things, uh, there was a team that went to Iowa State University over a Christmas outreach and during that outreach, I think, I don't know if it was close to maybe 90 to 100 people that got saved during that time. Some names you might recognize like uh, Rick and Neva Whitney, um, some other people there back at Iowa State that came to Christ. Eventually, Iowa State, you know, grew, the church grew, and they started sending people out to other places. Eventually, a team of young people, a lot like yourself, went out to Fort Collins, Colorado, to Colorado State University, began sharing Christ there, and a number of people got saved. That church has grown into, um, I don't know, somewhere between 500 and 1,000 people there now, and it sent out a number of churches. 
And if you don't know where we've come from, a team of us were in the church in Fort Collins there and prayed about reaching people with the good news here in Denver. We saw opportunity near the campus and in this neighborhood. And a team of us came down to do the same thing. And really, we're all about the Great Commission. We're all about getting that news out, the good news out. And that's why, why a lot of us uh, came down from Fort Collins. That's why a lot of you might be here is because of the heart and the effort of others to get that good news out. So that's just a little history of... a. Uh, how the Great Commission, what Jesus you know, gave after the resurrection, how it's affected our lives personally, our association of churches. Um, I'm going to turn the corner in here to some specifics about um, what we're, what's before us. You know, we haven't talked in a while in detail about this warehouse project in the neighborhood. If, if some of you are new with us, we haven't always met in the Ramada Inn. We, um, we like the Ramada. We've joked that at the Ramada we lack nada, but, um, but that's not really true. We've lacked plenty, I'm sure. Um, you know, I think even this last week, Easter weekend, we have a number of guests join us and a lot of cool things happen, but some of you who might have made it here early, anyone make it here early for the setup, um, might have noticed there was, at the Ramada, we, we rent this ballroom out on Sunday mornings. Seems like a good thing to do, but Saturday night people rent out the Ramada as well, and not for church, you know. Um, Sunday morning when we come in a lot of times this last Easter Sunday there was a a huge amount of vomit in the hallway and it smelled really really bad and uh, we got candles out and we tried to take the edge off of it and hopefully some of you didn't notice that but um, it was not a pretty sight and for me it was a good reminder of one of the reasons why we're looking at another location is so that whatever we schedule Saturday night does not produce vomit activities you know Um, (laughs) And the interesting thing was, before we met here, we met at a church up on the hill, this big um, Asbury church there, and, and they also did special events. And we also cleaned up vomit and beer from their outings, too. And so one of the exciting things, I think, hopefully for the setup people here, which is many of you, is that we won't have to do that anymore unless something goes really bad on a Saturday night, and, and we're not hoping for that. But really, one of the reasons we're, we're looking at even renovating this warehouse is so that we can continue with this mission. Get the good news out in this neighborhood. Equip disciples. You know, do things like this outreach class. Do pre-marriage counseling. Do parenting classes. There's so many things we can bring to this neighborhood, but we just haven't had a facility to kind of host that from. And, and we're excited about using this warehouse building for, for His glory. And um, a few things I just want to update you on. Some of you, I realize we did a campaign back in the fall and we haven't updated uh, you know, the general public in a while about that. The campaign went well. We had some, some money come in. But um, here's some things that we're looking at nowadays that you can be praying for. Uh, we're getting real close to signing a lease with the landlord of that warehouse. He and I are going to sit down and kind of talk through some of the things we've agreed upon verbally, try to get it all onto paper there. But you can be praying that God just kind of reigns over that time um, and everything goes well there. We're very close to signing a contract with um, a general contractor who's going to oversee this whole project. There's, we went through the process of elimination of finding, a, finding the right company to work with. And we, we think we found one that we're getting ready to sign on the dotted line with. And it seems like it could be a really good fit. Um, another thing we, you know, maybe to update you on is on the finances. You know, uh, last time we shared the need, we just kind of estimated what we thought it would take to get this warehouse up and running. And, and we estimated somewhere from 150000 and in parentheses we said something like $200,000 um, to get that going. And some of that was going to come back to us in the form of 
uh, free rent for a year or two. But anyways, we got our, our first estimate from a contractor, and they seemed to think that the number would be closer to 400000 so which was a, a surprise to, to all of us. Um, but uh, through the process of kind of continuing to get contracts and, and negotiating the work that we could do as a church versus what a contractor would get paid to do, um, it looks like things have come, come down uh, significantly here. And currently, this is kind of what we're looking at on the project. Um, the contractor between uh, what he would do and then also an electrician that is going to be kind of working with him comes in at about 232 the firehouse, as far as our parts of labor and materials, we're looking at maybe about 50 grand, which puts us around a total of, of 282. That number, the Lord willing, we're hoping continues to come down. The contractor's still going to take out some of the sales tax that, uh, you know, we're sales tax exempt here, so he's going to pull some of that from his number. This number uh, of 50k for the church includes um, all the materials that we think we'll need and our labor, and our hope is that. You know, the Lord willing that we'll be able to see materials donated, things. Um, we talked to the church in Provo, Utah, and they said uh, as they started actually working on it, they had wood, I mean, lumber don- donated and different equipment and ended up getting about $75,000 worth of stuff given to them. So we're hoping that, Lord willing, this, this number will come down, this number will come down. The money we're looking at currently between our, our campaign, our fundraiser that we did, and some of our firehouse savings that we'll put towards this is about this. We have a loan that we're getting, a construction loan, that um, is about this amount for a total of, of 268 right now. So we're hoping these two converge, and uh, you know it looks like we're in the ballpark. Um, the nice thing about this construction loan is that the landlord finally, as we've shared with you before, he came to the place where he said, hey, look, if you guys are going to help renovate my building, uh, how about I give you five years free rent? And instead of paying rent... Um, we'll put that into a construction loan and it, it all adds up and it looks like... But these are just things to be praying about here. In the next couple of weeks, we'll, we'll probably be signing the lease with the landlord and getting the contract going with the contractor and, and seeing the finances come together from the bank here. And I just encourage you guys to pray and um, just pray that God blesses that and continues to lead us here. Let me see. Next week, Jeff... And Brad, uh, Jeff and Greg are going to talk about some of the more practicals about getting started on the work of the building. We're going to break things up into different teams that you can sign up to be on a team that does anything from insulation to painting to the kitchenette to um, flooring, I think is another team. And uh, what is it? Bathroom. Bathrooms. All things bathroom or something like that is the name of the team. Um, but... Uh, Anyways, they're going to give you more information about how to get involved in the work and what the teams are going to look like. And um, we're going to hopefully get the ball rolling soon. I think that it's possible that we'll actually do, I don't know if it would be like a groundbreaking ceremony in either the month of April or the month of May, the Lord willing. And instead of groundbreaking, it's like the building's already built. It's going to be like concrete breaking, I think, and start tearing up some of the floor inside there. But... Hopefully that will be happening in April or May here if, if these things just continue to move together. So, um, anyways, but that just wanted to give you an update on that. We're going to finish our time off here just looking at a story that kind of catch the heart of being a disciple here. And that, that heart can be applied in so many different ways, not just a building project, but um, in many ways. So if you guys would, I encourage you to just, uh, how about you open your Bibles with me here. Turn to Mark chapter 14, and that's page... 1,007 in your Bibles here. Mark chapter 14. 
page 1007. And we're just going to read a section here, uh, really a, a snapshot of a disciple. We're going to get the good news out about Jesus and our hope is to be disciples of Christ and to make disciples for Him. And I think here it gives us a, a glimpse, a picture, a snapshot of that, what that is to look like. Starting in verse 3, chapter 14. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And so... I just want to wrap up our time just looking at this scenario, this thing that played out back um, back with one of the disciples of Jesus. You know, a lot of times we talk about disciples, you might think of, uh, you know, James or John or Peter or some of those. This disciple is Mary, Mary Magdalene. And um, this is just an amazing, amazing thing. There's some things we can draw out of it here. But um, I don't know, some of you women, if you buy very expensive perfume, uh, so any of you have perfume made of pure nard? Have you gotten to that place in life yet? Um, I don't exactly know what that is, but it sounds expensive. I have not bought my wife any of that yet either. I don't know if we can afford it. But, uh, you know, uh, she had this this thing that was um, very expensive perfume. Like they say, that it was worth a year's worth of wages. I don't know how much you make in a year, but she was probably a young, single, working woman. And so... You know, this in our day might translate to, I don't know, 25000 a year, 30, 40, 50, some of you 100000 a year, I imagine. Um, but this was a, a large amount of money that it represented there. And she took it and she wasted it on Jesus as, as an act of worship. You know, and I think there's something that we, we all can catch from that there. Um, and really, I think the point I want to just draw out for this is that each one of us, we need to do, you need to do what you can as an act of worship to Jesus. Um, it says here that she did, you know, Jesus said, stop bothering her. She's done a beautiful thing. She did what she could. And he goes on to say, I love how it goes on to say, I tell you the truth, wherever the good news is preached, you're going to hear about her. And I thought, how fitting is that? Last week we spoke about the good news, of what Jesus has done. And Jesus said, oh, by the way, where the good news is shared, you'll hear about Mary. You know, the reason why I think he said that is because wherever the good news is preached is, is where there's disciples being made. And we're trying to get the good news out. And when someone responds and they give their life to following Christ, you know what? What Mary did here, I think, is a small snapshot of what a life of a disciple should look like. Taking it and wasting it at the feet of Jesus, you know, and um, wasting it as in the eyes of the world here. But uh, I think she gave us a picture of that. And, and that's what we want to be doing as well, you know. And so as, as 
we continue in the church, you know, this, this applies beyond the warehouse. Maybe there's some things in your life that you have to offer. You, you do what you can. Maybe it's your money. Maybe it's your time. Maybe it's your talents, your skills. One thing I noticed here about um, Mary's situation is it actually didn't ever translate to money at all. She took something of value and she never cashed it in. It went from value to poured out for Jesus. And the disciples got mad because they said, Look, you could have translated that into money and what could you do with all that money? And Jesus said, No, no, no. She's done a beautiful thing. She's done an act of worship to me. And, and you need to be thinking about that. What do you have in your life that maybe it'll relate to this project coming up? Maybe it'll relate to just following Christ. Is there something that you can offer to Him as an act of worship? Something you could do. She did what she could. And He wants each one of us to do what we can. And I think there's a great example of that. One thing I know that's, that's true of all of us is that in response to this good news, you can give Him your life. I don't know if you've ever offered your life to Christ before as a, as a thank offering, as an opportunity to worship Him. Sometimes people take the free gift of heaven and they get back on with their own life. And instead of living a new life that's for Christ, they live a life that has forgiveness and they're still the boss. And, you know, it's kind of like back to Isaiah 53, 6. We all, like sheep, have gone astray and each has turned to their own way. Sometimes Christians do the same thing. We get saved, we get a ticket to heaven, and we get back to our own ways. But that's not what a life of a disciple is. A disciple is one who gives over control to the Lord. They come under new ownership. And, and that's one thing we, we need to do. You know, uh, this verse here in uh, Romans 12, 1, many of you know it. Um, and it's Paul, the Apostle Paul, encouraging people. He says, uh, I urge you, my brothers, in view, of, in view of God's mercy, to offer yourselves, your bodies, as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. You know, I don't know what you have as far as your assets go financially or your skills or different things, but I know you have a life that you could offer to Him. And it will never repay what was done for you, but it's a fitting offering. It's it's something that He is worthy of you to give your life to Him. And so, I encourage you to think about that. Have you ever given your life to Him uh, as a thank offering? You know, it would only be a drop in the bucket compared to the ocean, the infinite ocean of love and grace He's shown you. But have you done that? I know there was a point where I said, Lord, this, my life is not my own anymore. It's yours. You bought it. And I willingly offer it to you. Um, and Jesus said, really, this is what, what the heart of a disciple is here. I want to read a passage... Um, you know, sometimes you might have heard it said like salvation is a free gift when you receive the free gift of eternal life. It, it's free. No strings attached. It's free to you. Jesus paid a high price for it. But when it comes to discipleship, the process of following and becoming like Jesus, discipleship will cost you everything. And you need to be aware of that. Sometimes people think it's a free gift to heaven and now I get on with this free, all benefits to me sort of life. No, it's a free gift to begin the journey of, of giving giving everything to follow Christ. And that's the journey we're on as a church. Um, but this is what Jesus said about being a disciple. I'll just read it to you in His words. Here's from Mark 8, uh, chapter 8. It's in the Living Bible. I'm going to read this here. But He puts it like this. Verse 33. So Jesus turned and looked at His disciples and then said... Uh, whoops. Hold on here. Wrong place. 8. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, sorry, a little bit lower. That's the wrong one. Uh, goes on here, verse 34. Sorry. It says, um, 
Then Jesus called his disciples and the crowds to come over to him and listen. If any of you wants to be my follower, he told them, you must put aside your own pleasures and shoulder your cross and follow me closely. If you insist on saving your life, you will lose it. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. This is what Jesus says is the heart of following him. Really, it's what we see in Mary's example here. I'm going to repeat this phrase here. Only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. That's a, that's a challenging statement for being a disciple. But really, here at the firehouse, that, that's what we're aiming for. That's, that's what we're all about, to be a church that's getting the good news out and that we're, we're being disciples of Jesus and we're making disciples of Jesus that are like that. You know, um, at the firehouse, just uh, our, our goal is not to make uh, more firehouses. You know, at one point we talked about, well, we'll have a firehouse number one, number two, number three. Um, you know, and, and that'd be nice, but we probably won't stick to that naming scheme and things like that. Lord willing, we're planting some more churches. Our goal at this church is not to make firemen and firewomen. Uh, our goal is not to just promote our name. Really, um, we're, our goal is not to make, uh, not to make people happy. You know, we're not going to be a church full of politically correct people that, oh, let's just make everyone happy, make sure we don't ruffle any feathers. Our goal is not even to make people mad. You know, that would be fun too. But um, that's, that's not our goal either, really. Some, some people would say that in this day and age that we live, you need to, churches need to make a new kind of disciple, a, a new kind of Christian. A kind of Christian that's kind of a little bit wishy-washy. You're politically correct and anything that's really hard that Jesus said, you just kind of leave that out because you don't want to step on anyone's toes. It's about being a new kind of Christian. And that's not what we're about at all. Really, our heart is that we want, to, we want to be and we want to make the old kind of disciples. The old kind like Mary Magdalene who poured out valuable things at the feet of Jesus. We want to be... a just men and women like these disciples who they spent their lives, they were used up, they were thrown away for Jesus and for the good news about Him. That's what we're aiming for at the Firehouse Church. And, and my only question I want to leave each one of you with is, are you coming with? That's where we think God's taken us. Do you want to come with? And our hope is that each one of you would and that you would want to identify yourself publicly with the name of Jesus Christ and that you'll want to work to get the good news out. I just want to close with a little section you might have read this week in the Faith Walkers uh, Journal here, Daily Devotion. I don't know if we've got any left back there. Do we have a few left if you want to pick one of these up? But it's got a daily devotional and some places to, you know, uh, to read through the Bible in a year at the bottom. But this is a, one that was by Brent, Brent Knox. And I think this captures uh, some of the essence of what we're trying to do as a church as well. And he talks about the motivation What's the motivation for our faith, for Christianity here? And he talks about one time he remembers when he was drowning in the ocean. And I'll just read this this passage here. It says, Picture yourself in the ocean, flailing, getting very tired as the swells are breaking over your head. Water is getting in your mouth. You're gagging. You just can't get your breath. Panic sets in because it dawns on you that you aren't going to make it. Then suddenly someone grabs you from behind, someone stronger than you, and places you on his hip and puts an arm over your chest and swims you to safety. And you are saved. Now how would you feel? Might you be grateful? Might you get fired up to do something for the person who saved you? 
Might you even celebrate the occasion for years to come? Might it even inspire you to take life-saving classes to save other people? Might you even sing about it? That's the motivation of true Christianity. But what's religion like? Religion is like someone in a boat that's nearby watching you struggle for your life and shouting through a megaphone, Swim harder! Work harder! Try harder! And maybe you'll reach the boat. Do you know what the gospel says? God says, I saw you struggling and I saved you. I didn't shout at you to try harder. I jumped in and saved you. You know, that's, that's really what true Christianity is all about. That's what we're all about. We, we just want to do something because we're fired, out, fired up about the person who saved us, who, who grabbed us while we were struggling and, and gave us eternal life. We want to sing about Him. We want to take life-saving classes that others might be saved by that same person who saved us. And um, our hope here is that you'd be willing to join us. And whether that means swinging a hammer as we prepare a place to, to set up shop to reach people more effectively, to equip people, or whether it's we're out on campus trying to share with people there or in your workplace, our hope is that you want to you want to join us. You want to go where God is taking us. And um, we're just going to close with prayer right here and get on our way. Well, Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you personally for saving me. I I can't help but want to tell others about what you did on the cross, what you've done in my life. Lord, on on behalf of the church here, I I believe we all feel the same way. We're just so grateful at what you've done for us. I pray, Lord, that none of us would be holding back anything you've given us, that we could offer all that we have as an act of worshiping you. Lord, you know what each one of us has and, and how that might look, but I pray that you'd help us. Help us to offer our very lives as an act of loving worship, to you. Lord, I pray that you continue to help us to get the good news out as we finish the outreach class. Lord, I pray that as we work on this uh, warehouse building that we would use it to, to bring you more glory, to, to reach more people with your name, to see um, Christians take on a mission and really become your disciples. And we just ask that you would use this building for that purpose and what a glorious purpose it would be for that pile of bricks. But we just ask you continue to lead us and guide us and we thank you again for what you're doing in our church and what you've done in our lives. And we pray these things together in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for for coming this morning. And next week we'll have Jeff and Greg uh, continue to talk more about the, the, the project that's ahead of us here. But thanks again and have a great rest of the day.